Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminators Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Beep boop, Arrow 404, co-host not found. Oh, jeez. Well, he must be busy getting ready for our RTT coming up this Saturday, so we're all both getting ready for that. But in the meantime, there's a ton of larger tournament action, including a little preview from Games Workshop of some future releases, and... Um, just a sneak peek behind the curtain. Kind of neat to see what's coming up. So we've got two new models. One for the Necrons, one for Admech. Yeah. Uh, no, no. The, ow, ow, ow. God, my legs. Okay. Um, no, I was stuck up on my stilts because the Admech one looks silly. I have to look up at it. Nice. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that one. There's a lot of people. It's very uh, polarizing. Let's just say that... <laughs> Uh, some people love it. Some people Ill, are just kind of like, well, whatever. Um, I'm trying to think of how this model is going to be used on the tabletop because I've been hearing that the sniper function is kind of secondary, that he's a fantastic action monkey. Well, from chatting with folks, the theory kind of falls into the same gameplay as using stuff like lictors and neuro lictors or the assassins. They're lone operatives. They will most likely have stealth. So they're just really obnoxious to deal with because you can't interact with them until you go and chase them. And I'm assuming they don't move very fast because, again, it's a guy on stilts. <laughs> but... Yeah, no. He probably moves fast enough to be able to position a little bit so that way he can line up shots with important characters, um... Or why you would have these things shooting at vehicles and monsters, I don't know. But it's an interesting model, that's for sure. And uh, the other thing they talked about with Admex was the uh, they teased one of the detachments. And it's funny you mentioned that there's one where pretty much all the infantry models get stealth, and then if they're being fired upon from beyond. 12 inches that count as being in cover, which I thought was a... It's one of those, oh, it's not bad, it's not great, but then I'm like, okay, how does that fall into the context of Admech? And I thought to think about that for a little bit. Yeah, and it specifically chases after that Sicarian keyword, which I mean, I'm pretty sure these these sniper doers are going to be Sicarian. Because it also looks like it just focus on, focuses mainly on Skatari anyway. So at that point, the Vanguard and I believe the Rangers are also Skatari. But, yes, they are. Okay. So it makes... it's For those of you that played back in 8th edition, this is effectively the detachment that lets you play Stygies 8, I believe it was called where you were obnoxiously hard to hit. I think that was the one. Yeah, there was one, the stealthy one. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it fell into the same kind of area of gaming as I believe it was. I'm forgetting which craft world it was. The blue and yellow one. A light talk. There we go. Mm -hmm. That was also obnoxiously hard to hit. So, yeah, I'm happy to see that they're doing stuff for Admech, but for the, the careful readers and also the 
rewatchers to try and understand what this stilt walking dude is. Admech is only getting five detachments instead of like six or seven. Interesting, because Ray and I were talking about that earlier. Oh, yeah, it seems like everybody gets six. Well, wait a minute. Marine's got seven. So is that really a hard and fast rule? So they're only getting five, huh? And we already know one is the Radbun Barbant one, and the second one is Stealth thing. So three left to go. And it sounds like one's going to be for your robots. And then the other two, we don't know. Interesting. I just hope they don't make Admech another uh, <laughs> command phase heavy army where it takes 15 minutes to do your command phase. Yeah. And, and I do like already the, 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 uh, the Shroud Psalms and all mm-hmm. that stuff. <laughs> they they kind of simplified that a little bit. So that made it because that was one thing that was really annoying was this whole I want to roll the dice or am I not going to roll the dice? So I can't. I just can't duplicate. Well, I can't duplicate once. And then I'm like, oh, God, just pick something. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing that is coming out, the classic pairing of here are the men made of toasters and here are the people that want the toasters. Yes. So these are the people made of toasters. It is the Necrons and their new model. I am happy. I put my Emotech on a 40 millimeter base although he does not have tactical Necron rocks. No. <laughs> but yes, um, Imhotek the Stormlord is the model redo for Necrons. Now, this is obviously just a refreshed model. It's still Imhotek the Stormlord, so it's an epic hero. I'm worried what kind of new unit they're going to be introducing if they introduce a new one at all because again for those that read between the lines the necron book is also losing data sheets so what now yeah so it was something like they currently have something like 30 units they're going down to 27 Hmm. it's some really close number like that where it's okay maybe they're just oh they're going down to 47 data sheets so they went from like 50 down to 47 well I could see them losing the old destroyers you know so you're stuck buying the new ones you know, that this kind of generic destroyer, and then they kind of just renamed them. I can't remember what they called them. The Locust Destroyers, yeah. Yeah. So I could see them ditching those. So you're kind of forced to buy the new, whatever the new ones are. So, Or, or hear me out for like a minute. They get rid of the Transcendent Catan. And they force you to play a Tesseract Vault. <laughs> yeah, well... Or vice versa, Actually, they get rid of the Tesseract Vault and you're forced to play Descent Catan. <laughs> Actually, this is going to sound like very controversial. They get rid of Nightbringer and Deceiver because those models are old as dirt. <laughs> yeah. And they're not quite to the size of the other compared to the Void Dragon. Yeah, that, that would be something where you don't get the crazy Avatar of Death that is the Nightbringer 
and you don't get Mr. Trixie, it's actually all his fault. Deceiver. Yeah. And then, yeah, like there's possibility of them losing some of the other named characters like Vargard Oberon and MSR Zondrek. Because you never, no one ever saw them on the table except for like flavor. Because they were two separate units, usually. So you could bring one or the other, or you could pay the extra points and bring both. Like, Yeah, when the Codex first dropped, I think this was 5th edition when that first, when they first appeared, those characters appeared. Um, they were kind of cool because if you bought one, you could get the other one without using up a slot. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I was, he was the personal bodyguard. And then they made a really good team. You did see that a lot because you got this basically a second um, ghost ghost walk mental. So that was pretty neat. But you're right. As time progressed, it was like, oh, yeah, he's not that great anymore. So yeah, I would just worry that for for characters like Traz in the Infinite or or in the the Diviner, where they are still those tiny little fine cast models. Mm-hmm. Basically, any of them, like maybe on Recure the Traveler, is going to be put out to pasture. Maybe like you finally got assimilated into a into a dynasty or something. Yeah, probably give me one second. It's going to pause something about Necron yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> yes, the the Necrons like they show off a stratagem for. What I'm assuming is one of the newer detachments. So Hyper Crypt Legion is sounds as hyperphasic recall. So ah yes, this is the one where, hey, you're incented to bring a monolith. Um I like it already. <laughs> yep. Here's this giant towering square. So two command points used in any in the fight phase or the shooting phase, basically immediately after you're shot at or attacked, you get to pull the the Necron infantry unit away and put it next to a monolith. That's kind of how it first operated a little bit. But mm-hmm. that active that wasn't reactive though. It was in your movement phase. That's wild. Okay. Yep. And wasn't it like specifically an ability on the monolith that let you do it before, I believe? Correct. Yeah. You could basically take a unit on the table and it varied for whether what the range was. Mm-hmm. They came through the door and that was the key thing was you could try to block the door and make sure this thing didn't work. But um, it would basically gave you as a free um, reanimation protocol roll when it went through the door but the also thing that made it neat was you could pull units that were in reserve and they would come out the front (laughs) yeah and necrons is another book where they are showing that not all books are made equal so necrons are also only getting five detachments trying to remember how many dynasties we had um so there was Sawtech, so that was Emotech, along with all of the other major characters. Nehalak, which was Trazen. Um, Mefrit, Novak, 
then Nefrek. And I think that was all five of them. Okay, there were only five. Yeah, there was only five until you introduced the Silent Kings of Zarek. Oh, well, Cesarekins, and then it went up to six. Got it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. That's only five. Oh, well, we'll see what that comes. I th- and it's funny because I thought it would, rather than just doing what the Marines did, it went by chapters. I thought the Decrons would be like, here's the destroyer focused one, here's kind of the warrior focused one, here's the uh, kinoptic focused one, you know, something like that. Well, they actually do specify that that's what they effectively are doing because there is one with the canoptic court that focuses on cryptex and the constructs and obeisance phalanx which i'm assuming is something like a whole bunch of character hero hammer and then there's the annihilation legion which was a army of renown back mm-hmm. in a white dwarf and they actually show off the eternal madness enhancement for them where in the fight phase, every time a model is just in the bearer's unit is destroyed. So that can get a little a little iffy depending on what unit you put it in. And on a four plus they get to fight on death if they haven't fought already. Interesting. On a four plus. Wow. Mm-hmm. So given the destroyers like Scorpex, Ophidians, and Locusts are smaller units, so their fighting isn't as heavy in dice. But then, but those destroyers still hit like a truck. At least the Scorpex do. Yeah, they still do, and it's kind of neat. And then it's funny because I just got done watching uh, Pariah Nexus, and you just watch what this thing is like maul the Space Marine. You're just like, wow. Um, kind of looked at their stat line and said, oh, is this movie magic or are they really that good? They're still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing back to us to say back in the old days when you could, the cool part was with the um, the monoliths. So you take like one or two of them, plop it board center and you just start vomiting warriors. Maybe um, wraiths. But you really didn't have anything that threatened close combat. You just basically put down a lot of shots and there's a lot of bodies now with the cryptic destroyers, um, excuse me, sort of destroyers, there's so many more options in assault now that they weren't there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beforehand you used to have to run Novak in order to make them terrifying for the extra strength, the extra EP. I mean, the good news is at least the expansion. What's the one where they got the scout move and then they got the, everything was. Uh, objective secured. I was like, oh, that's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that one's gone. So, the other little preview that we got, it is a new kill team season coming out. Now, the only reason why this is important isn't because it's kill team, but because we get refreshed models. Uh, we get Space Marine Scouts. <laughs> You stink. Oh my god. We finally, yes, we get striking scorpion plastic models. 
And it's very interesting, again, if you listen to them carefully, because you get 10 in the box, but apparently they are, for 40K purposes, two squads of five. So I'm wondering how it's going to lay out in the new codex. I'm pretty sure, because I know stuff like Gene Stealers worked out the same way. So they were originally a box of eight, which was really, really obnoxious because they were either units of 10 or 20. <laughs> so in this case, they went, oh, it's units of five or 10. So you buy a single box, you can either have one big unit or two small units. Yeah, because the old box was five. So that's why I was like, oh, okay. So now a 10-man squad. That's And it's funny, they're supposed to be sneaky and stealthy, but there's 10 of us. And I'm like, oh, that's why there's two squads of five in this. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I also noticed no new gear. So they're, they're pretty static. If, if yeah. you have the old ones and you're happy with the models, you, you're good. So. Yep, you might just have to update to a, a new base size if they didn't get updated already. Yeah, so... And I didn't see anything new or different in the scout box. I think it was the same one as we we just we've always had. Well, it from what I could tell, it looks like they are the new sculpts of scouts, so they're the right size. So, at that point, it's like here's your one sniper scout, here's your one missile scout, here's your one or two guys with shotguns, that kind of thing. Right. Indeed. But yeah, otherwise that was basically all of the previews that for 40k that came out on warhammer day um one was... thing i just want to go back to the kill team thing for one thing i'm sorry to interrupt you robert but mm -hmm. it, was, it was a bit of a concern and a bit of a soapbox here so i would try to say say a little positive but one thing they said that they're doing differently with this kill team box is with the new season is there's a lot less terrain in the box mm -hmm. and their comment for reasoning for that was well, if you've been collecting all the terrain all the long, you've got a lot already. So these are just meant to be add-ons to sprinkle some flavor into the theme of the event. But I just kind of looked at them like, there hasn't been terrain on your website for half a year. <laughs> you can't buy any of this stuff. So if you're new to Kill Team or just trying to buy terrain in general, good luck. I was kind of, this kind of gave me a sense of dread that I'm like, okay. <laughs> Well, they may not be new terrain pieces for quite some time. Yeah, I, I definitely get you on that one because when I looked at that box, I was like, oh, here's a whole bunch of like little buildings and satellite dishes. And it's like, yeah, this is all well and good for scatter terrain. It does work for Kelty because, yeah, you can hide one or two models behind it because each model is individual. They're not units. So that works. But that's about it. But yeah, you know, well, I was really surprised how functional. For example, you picked up the uh, oh, the close quarters deck uh, boarding parties terrain, the, and that worked out really well for forty k uh -huh. as well. So, yep, the walls aren't too big, but they're still big enough to hide most infantry behind. Unless you're tall and spindly like Admech is, <laughs> right. So yeah, I, it's a this was a surprisingly small preview for what we've seen over the over the year so far, but it's it's definitely nothing to snuff at because it actually gave us the order. So we're getting Admech first, and then we're getting Necrons. Yep. And I know a lot of you listeners want to get a rise out of me, and yes, 
I did see that not only was there an old world preview, but it was my least favorite army from the old world. Bretonians are getting new models. So I'm like, ah. So it's not happy to see that. I was like, come <laughs> on. See, the way I rationalized all of the Age of Sigmar and old world stuff was the guy who's totally not a chaplain on a freaking dragon. Yeah, that I have to say that the Sigmar stuff was kind of cool. I was kind of like, whoa. Yeah, like that's that model is very, very pretty. <laughs> I even like the uh, the tree guy riding a giant beetle. That was pretty cool, too. Not my cup of tea, but it's better than the cowhead elves, but yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, those are those are by far the biggest blunder yet. But yeah, but on to what we actually usually cover on this podcast. Yeah, there were actually some uh, tournaments that we had, including one at this GW preview. So we don't see we had a U.S. Open to talk about. This would be the last one before the uh, WCW. And uh, wow, um, I guess if you ever dare to dream, dreams do come true. And uh, somebody uh, collided with uh, greatness at this particular event. Yep. But we will come back to that one because that event was the biggest one. We're going to save the biggest one for last. <laughs> You're such a tease. Right, yes, yes, I am. Who are we starting with? <laughs> um, we're going to start with a couple of chickens. In this case, turkeys. We're going to the pecking order. Let's check out the pecking order. Yes. So this one happened in Olympia, Washington. They had a whopping 64 players show up. And I still love the fact that their entire motif is chickens and turkeys, a random space marine, and Olaf. <laughs> All on Star Wars bodies. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so... The top this rare moment of why are we a podcast? We should have the video for this. <laughs> exactly. So the top five looks something like this. We have Nicholas Olson Johnson coming in fifth place with Votan. We have George Alcantara coming in, like I said, fourth place with Eldar. In third place, we have Jason Bird. I'm so sorry, Jason. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> he was in theme for the event. Exactly. Uh, he came in third with Chaos Knights. Woohoo! In second place, we have Max Schwartzer coming in with, I'm assuming, Space Marines. Because he's listed as Fire. Oh, Black Templars. Okay. So, yes, Space Marines. And then in first place, we have Steve Trimble coming in with Chaos Base Marines. It's interesting that Steve won because I'm looking at his scores, 97, 75, 70, 94, 98, which I was like, okay. And then um, trying to look at Max here, 100, 189, 71, and 90. I'm not a mathematician, but it seems like Max had scores but maybe it was path to victory or something like that yeah so breaking down the data here on bcp the of uh, the opponents that steve played they had a 68 percent 68 percent win rate whereas max's only had about a 63 
and the, so that made the strength of schedule a little bit different, like a 3.4 instead of a 3. And I, I still don't understand how to fully comprehend that, but basically, yeah, it was Steve's opponents just overall played better and scored higher than Max's. Interesting. Okay. Before we get for deeper into this event, uh, a couple of notables that showed up. Uh, 14th place Mitch Pelham with Space Wolves and uh, Lucas Troller in 18th place with Night Lords. Booga, 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 booga. Exactly. Oh, Danny McDevitt playing um, Nicolak playing Necrons, getting them out early before the Codex comes out. Get off my lawn! Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, your choice is a Dana McNevitt co host of uh, Grim, Grim After Dark or Pennsylvania Realtor. So, if you listen to their show, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do not listen to that show very often anymore. So, that makes sense why I don't know. But yeah, we're going like, to, looking at Steve's list here. Um, yep, Chosen Blob, Chosen Blob, Chosen Blob. Couple of fortunes, couple of obliterators, couple of warp talents. Yeah, this is a familiar list. I think we saw it last week or the week before. It's a whole bunch of chosen, some rhinos, one single unit of cultists, and a couple of chaos lords. Sounds like my old fifth edition list. Mm-hmm. And everything is either undivided, Mark of Nurgle. Or Slanesh in the case of the Warp Talons. And then, yeah, it has one unit of Nurglings, the Blue Scribes, and Celesque. There we go. That seems to be the Architect, the winning combo at the moment. Yep. Brute force efficiency from Chosen. (laughs) Yep. And then... All right, what are we heading to next? Oh, we're going to Ohio. We're, we're going to go fight the final boss. I don't know where that meme comes from, but it's funny because it's Ohio. I have family in Ohio, so it kind of makes sense. Okay. I don't know familiar with that, but okay. No, I don't know where it comes from either. I'm totally BSing my way through all of that. But yes, top five came in something like this. We have Jared Bruce coming in with guard. We have Lyle Dixon in fourth with Tau. In third place is Zachary Morales with Templars. In second place is Brad Chester with Orcs. And squeaking out the win is Folger Piles still winning with the Eldar Menace. I have to say, we haven't seen this much uh, Eldar in these top fives. And in fact, we've seen more Votan. And so clearly something's working with that balanced easily. Mm-hmm. So, kind of looking at Folger's and Brad's scores, because they, they both went undefeated, but Brad Chester had some pretty low scoring games because he only got a 62 in round three and a 61 in round five. Whereas Folger, his lowest score was out of a 72, but he didn't have perfect 100s like Brad Chester did in round one and round four. Yep, and I'll get you. So, mm-hmm. it's just that Brad bringing orcs. I don't remember him being an orc player, but I was kind of remember him being. He plays whatever the what's hot in the meta. So I'm curious what he's figured out. 
Yeah, he he's the Manny Chima of the U.S. I guess. <laughs> he's not quite as that eccentric. I mean, he doesn't go off the rails with like two hundred racks or something like that. But yeah, you're not wrong. And then I think we're gonna go to Colorado. We're gonna go to a Fight Club. Denver Fight Club 40K. Let's check it out. Yep, the Denver guys are a wonderful group of people. I enjoy the only Denver event that I've been to so far outside of the temperature. Because <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> so, the top five are something like this. We have Justin uh, Justin Kempel with Eldar. In fourth place is Zach Kerstetter with also Eldar. In third place is Cody Giro or Jiru. I hope it's Jiru because that makes more sense in my brain with Eldar. In second place is Joel Davis with Orcs. And in first place is Colin K with Chaos Space Marines. Yeah, for our Extermination Status uh, rankings, Cody coming up just short there. Uh, he is sitting on the doth at another top five finish. He's still sitting on the outside going in because he doesn't have that win to break through the uh, playoff system that we've got. So uh, tough luck for him in this particular event, but still a strong showing. And uh, two other friends of the show that were at this particular event is uh, Nathan Cartmel. He's formerly from Arizona, playing Grey Knights, came in 23rd. And uh, Brett Burkett's uh, with Chaos Space Marines, surprise, surprise, came in 24th. Yep, although it, it, is, it is sad. I think Brett might have missed his last round because it looks like he only went through four games. Yeah. I wonder if he had to get back to Hawaii or not. So we'll see what happens. Probably. So... At taking a peek at Colin's list, he has changed it up a little bit because there's no Forge Fiends, but he has one unit of normal Marines. He still has the two Rhinos. He has the Accursed Cultists along with the normal Cultists. But then he also brings along one 10-man unit of Possessed along with his Bricks of Chosen. Hmm. So more positioning and more aggression rather than having four machines to pick things off from a distance, I guess. I guess so. All right. And with that, we're, yeah, I guess we're going to go down to Florida <laughs> to, to the U.S. Open in Tampa. It's so sunny there this time of year. Yep. And this event had 300 players. It's <laughs> a small gathering of close friends. Yep. So as a reminder, for those of you that listen to the placings of this event, after the first four rounds, you're broken into pods. So even though people will be undefeated, they won't be up in the top top chunk of things because of the fact that they barely missed the next pod by not scoring just high enough for strength of schedule and stuff like that. So in this case, we'll do the top four because that's the top pod. We have Nick Herding coming in with Chaos Space Marines. In third place is Jack Harpster with World Eaters. In second place is Quentin Johnson with Eldar. And then in first place, Jeffrey 
Claudner with Sisters of Battle. So when we first looked at this, we're like, oh, wait a minute. Is this like a, some sort of GW thing where they combined his paint score? And then we looked at his pairings. This guy earned it. Uh, this, he ran the gauntlet, and my hat is tipped to this guy. He got it done. Mm-hmm. So looking at it, round f- round four, he played Dylan Williamson. And then he had the odd luck of playing Dylan in round five. <laughs> That's a little odd. You're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then from there, it is just the biggest names. It's John Lennon, then Quentin Johnson, and then Jack Harpster. <laughs> And when we were looking at his list, it's not like it, I mean, it's it's nothing crazy. I mean, it's 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 must have been pure pilot at this point. Yep, because the sisters list, I will admit, the new sisters. I don't know very much about them outside of the fact that they are still toughness three with a three up armor save, and they kind of explode when you shoot at them. <laughs> at least the infantry, anyway. So it's an Imagifier, Junith, Erida, Iruta, however you say her last name, that's a mouthful, uh, Morvan Vol, a Palatine, and Celestine. So that's a whole, that's at least three epic characters and one enhancement. So that's a whole bunch of points invested into characters. And then a couple of Battle Sister squads, each one of them has. The full loadout of a Melta, Simulacrum, a power weapon, and a, and a second normal Melta gun. Hmm. Oh, one of them has an Artificer Stormbolter because I think <laughs> he didn't have the option. Um, he has two emulators. He has a retreat, a retributor squad, and then two of the Castigator tanks. Two mortifiers as individual models so that's something that is very different from when i last saw them because mortifiers used to be like a a minimum unit of like two or three i think i have no clue yeah i'm sure off the top of my head uh then he has the big brick of paragon war suits and then one unit of seraphim one unit of the novitiates so the the kill team box that had like the melee oriented sisters and then a unit of two death cult assassins so those tiny little 25 millimeter base fine cast assassin ladies that are trying to go and work at a club oh and then a calidus assassin of course So yeah, outside of um, matchup potential, because in this order, he played John Lennon, who I'm pretty sure brought his Tyranids. See if I can find him really quick. Yep, he brought his Tyranids. And then he played against Eldar, and then he played against World Eaters. That was a slog. Yeah. That was rough. (laughs) 
And then an honorable mention, he missed it by literally a flashlight because <laughs> he because the darn shadow around got him. Ben Jurek got fifth place. So he won his bracket. Well, he won his pod, but sadly he missed out on the top pod because of the shadow round. Yeah. So, yeah, potentially becoming, you know, really cementing the ITC because really between now and LVL, I don't think we have any 300 people events coming up. So kind of kind of keeps the door open a little bit for just somebody to sneak in at this point. So, yep, because his scores are immaculate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same similar to what we saw the last time we saw him out. Uh, 100, 100, 183, which was just enough to keep him out of the, the top bracket. 100, 100, 100. <laughs> hmm. So 583 points out of 600 possible points. Yep. But yes, that is the Tampa the Tampa Open. So definitely a large event. Definitely a successful event. And yeah. Now we get to see how Space Marines shake up the meta because now they're going to actually be allowed to tournaments. <laughs> I'm curious to see what happens because um, we've already seen some rumblings. Uh, one of the things uh, came up, Ray actually got a game in against him. And, you know, we, we, we make fun of Ray a lot, especially because of his, for his faction EDD. But um, he actually is a very sound player when he puts his mind to it. And it was interesting because he took on a tactic. And I was like, oh, I've been hearing a lot of the WTC guys talking about this. And they just simply did not get enough practice in it before the tournament started and curious to see when I go back over this past weekend, the idea of using fixed objectives over the random objectives seems to be catching a lot of interest. Yeah. I kind of figured that eventually fixed objectives would catch on because of the fact that, okay, here's these tactical missions. Yes. You can potentially score higher on the tactical missions, but if you draw like one or two turns of bad secondaries, it's going to tank your score by a handful of points. Yeah. Whereas fixed, it's one game plan, one way, and if your opponent doesn't stop you from doing it, you're going to do it anyway. So it's interesting because the army he was going against was they took the got the name of the formation, but it's basically the Imperial Fist one. Oh yeah, the Aegis Defender or something like that. Something like that. Basically you stay basically you stand still and you shoot war. And um, I think that's what he took. I take that back. Or maybe it was the Iron Hand one. I'll look at this again real quick. But it was a ton of vehicles. Like there was like the only infantry that was in the all were in land raiders. It was just like oh okay. So when he told me what his secondaries were that he was focusing on bring it down and um, I think behind enemy lines, not behind enemy lines. Um, yeah, I'll find it here. So, looking at the score, yeah, his opponent brought the Anvil Siege Force, which is the Imperial Fists, and both of them took Bring It Down and Assassinate. Assassinate, that was. 
So I was just like, whoa, look at that. Now but he took a, here's the list, uh, two repulsors, executioners, one gladiator, a uh, smattering of 12 bolter aggressors and three units, uh, max squad of eradicators, uh, Tor, which is the character, a few biologists, a ballistus, which is the, what, dreadnought? Yeah, and it's the new shooty dreadnought, yeah. Okay. And then so, the land raider, let's not forget the land raider. And the land raider, which had all the, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I'm just looking at that list going like, oh, I do not have the tools for that kind of list. Yeah, it's thinking of how Space Marines play right now, the they were already skewing really heavy into vehicles anyway. So it's oh here, let's give this detachment which benefits vehicles from standing still and just shooting a bunch. Okay, that's perfectly fine. Because then it's a... You can save your Devastator Doctrine. Oh, wait, no. That's not available in the age, in the Anvil Siege Force. Because that's a Glass Task Force thing. Huh. So yeah, at that point, it's literally... It stands still and it shoots at you. Because <laughs> the the problem would very much be is like, how do you hide knights properly? Well, if you use the GW terrain, knights can hide behind the buildings. Mm, indeed. So that makes it so that way you don't get shot. But that means you also don't get to shoot them. Or you're about is getting past turn one and move forward and your game penalty. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of list. I know I would have trouble into it because the executioners are really chunky. The gladiator is kind of chunky. The land raider is just another executioner chassis. Like all of that is going to be really hard to do anything to. And yeah, I'm gonna have to play the game if i were to play my knights i'd have to play the focus them down one at a time game of just and dead and dead and dead and dead and i would need to kill like one and a half of them every turn i think your army can do it uh, yeah. <laughs> no no it can't do it that efficiently because one that for requires me to be put within 24 inches of you and be able to see you. Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat. It's like if I have to, I have to kind of put my army out there to take it out and then, but it's, and I don't even think it's that reliably that I take it out. So I'm like, oh, so bit of an issue there. Yeah. So this kind of idea is definitely something that, oh, that's, a whole bunch of vehicles that are all really big and give up a whole bunch of bring it down points. Yeah. Take bring it down. And then instead of bringing another killy one, like assassinate, you could bring something a little more non-interacting. So something like maybe, uh, blah, 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 blah. Like engage in all fronts. If you're feeling brave, 
or like heck even cleanse if there's some of if there's objectives behind buildings that you can hide like um a armager or a war dog behind hmm. and have them just keep cleansing the same objective so yeah it sadly makes you lose out on some dice economy but it's still like okay we're going to keep doing this until i can finally have enough firepower all in one place to just go and dead and dead and dead yeah yeah for me it's always say okay and dead and maybe kill the second one and then it's like oh they shoot back down mm-hmm. uh... Because the other thing is, is that because all of those vehicles are fairly large, they are all getting covered. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of getting in the way. So, but that does restrict their movement a little bit. So, because mm-hmm. of their size. So, yeah. So at that point, it's where you kind of have to position carefully to go. All right, cool. I'm behind this building. Behind this building. The tank's still not close enough. Uh. Staying behind the building. <laughs> yeah. Or can I get there in one move? So I can, but yeah, I have to kill it before and pour some sort of fire, fire fade, but I can only usually do that with one unit. So, yeah. So, my knights, I kind of have an idea of what to do into that roster. My custodes, whew, I have no idea what to do with all that because that's going to be. All right, cool. Um, we take lethal hits and we try to survive on an objective. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's got a lot of firepower because it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. But yeah, no. Otherwise, it Ray is definitely a fun opponent. He, I know the last game I had with him was a very fun game. It was, in fact, a really close game of Custodes and Knights. So it was a, all right, let's let's see how 12 Terminators does against a Knight army. I almost lost all my Terminators. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was actually fairly scary, but because the Terminators are as durable as they are. And again, I'm a custodian. Unless you have devastating wounds, I I kind of get a four up save almost all the time. Yeah. Which is incredibly powerful. Yes, yes it is. All right. All right. So, how is the Rattler Cup looking there, Eric? Yeah, as I mentioned, Cody Drew just missing out on a win. Uh, that would have propelled him into uh, right into probably right below. Let's see here. Cody, yes, he's sitting at 12 prior to this week's event and coming in third. That'll give him four more points. Uh, eight, six, nine, six, four. Yep, four more points. That would have been 16 points. And uh, if he had won, he would have been sitting at 21. He would have vaulted up to second. But uh, that did not happen. So he's still on the outside looking in. Your guys that are locked in for a playoff spot, 
Uh, you have Brett Simon at 10 points, Josh Roberts at 11, uh, Stephen Crawley at 13, Tim Dakelefs at 18, who originally was tied with Ben Sherwin, but Ben Sherwin had a strong showing also at um, this weekend, so he'll move out of his state in second place, but he'll move above them. He currently has 18 points, so I think he goes up to 21. Uh, ben Jurek stays on top there with his two wins and the 24 points with our rankings. So, Yeah, I definitely like the Rattler Cup rankings more than the actual ITC rankings. They're just so much <laughs> easier to understand. A little easier to understand. I still, I still get where people are kind of like the qualifier that you have to win event. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's like this whole thing and of, uh, folks the... there. So. Mm-hmm. The other bit of news that we can share is we do actually have the timeline schedule of the FLG events throughout the year now. Oh, that's right. forgot about that. Yep. So, as per usual, in January is LVO because it's LVO. And then the Cherokee Open is back in February. Then the Rocky Mountain Open is still in March. Bay Area Open is still in May. Atlantic City is still in June. Lone Star is in July. And SoCal Open, they're apparently making some changes to it because it doesn't have an exact date and also has the huge surprise banner on top of it. Interesting. And then there's Cruise Hammer, which is the event to wrap up the season for FLG, and that's November, and it's an entire week. I can't imagine playing Warhammer on a boat. I would get so tired of my dice rolling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Cruise Hammer for kind of mixed reviews on, so whether it's a good time or not, but um, it's kind of like you play a little bit, then you go out, go out on an excursion, play some more, so... Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to try and squeeze in the Atlantic City Open again this year. And then maybe SoCal? Interesting. Okay. I'll kind of take a deep breath and see when... Um... And GW announces their events for next year as well. So that kind of will play into my travel schedule a little bit. Yeah. At that point, Team Exterminatus goes and does a U.S. Open. Woo! Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. We, we just kind of show up and it's like, hey, guess what? We're here to go three and two and play play each other in, in the same goddamn pod. It probably would. <laughs> that, that'd be funny. And then it would be a, all right, Rando and the three of us. Exactly what we're playing against, too. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of look at each other in the, and just, all right, Eric, we know how this game's probably going to go, but we're going to roll dice anyway. <laughs> Not this time. Yes, it did. Okay, never mind. But um, other things that have not changed is the mid-table obscurity. Another quick ranking here. This is where we rank the most popular armies that either go two and three or three and two. And so if you're stuck in the mid-tables, this is the 
factions you need to prepare for the most, and this is since the data slate dropped. Uh, still at the top is Aldari. Um, interesting, holding on to 9% of the mid-table meta. Uh, number two is Necrons, uh, surplanting Chaos Space Marines for that second spot. Uh, Chaos Space Marines are now tied with uh, Tyranids and regular Space Marines. And then Adeptus Custodes, Tau Empire, and Astro Militarum, as well as Orcs, round out the top five. So Ooh. interesting. Yeah, Orcs are an issue in the mid-table. Roughly 5% of the meta uh, at the mid-table level. It's because it took all the Orc players like an entire three or four months to be able to get all the trucks. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised at all that, that some sort of hobby lag was involved in all that. So. Yeah, or people were just not fast enough to get the bits to convert their own trucks and go, eh, okay, I'll wait. Yep. Absolutely. So there we go. So that is uh, your rankings as well as your material obscurity for this week. Anything else to add there, Robert? For those of us that love painting out there, can someone please help me understand how painful it is to repaint an army? <laughs> Well, supposedly you have a new tool available to you. I forgot to mention this. So in a clever marketing scheme, uh, Army Painter uh, teased all week that they had a huge announcement on Friday, right before the GW preview. And they have a new line of paints coming out called um, um, Maniac, Romantic, or something like to that effect. And basically what these are is the exact opposite of their contrasts or speed paints. These are one coat finishes, and they show you they have a, a black base that's been unprimered, and the guy paints a single stripe with orange and yellow paint, and it's almost near perfect. It's on a single coat uh, to cover all your models. If I can find a green that matches what I want to do for all of my capes, I might get it. Because right now my capes for all of my custodians are going to be like three different colors of green. Mm. <laughs> Not including really? washes. Yeah, I'm really on the fence about this particular product because I do so much with airbrushing. So obviously when these paints with that kind of coverage, the amount of pigments that are in there, that's just screaming, I'm going to clog your airbrush beyond recognition. <laughs> but for brushwork, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pulling up, and it's called the Fanatic line, is what it's called. Thank you. It was something. It's one of their older 90s GW type things. So I was like, I can't remember the name. Yeah. So, one, yeah, neat little product to go from there. And then for those who don't remember, uh, they did come out with Speed Paint 2. So it is a. Um, alternative to contrast if you don't want to buy GW. And why is it 2.0? They actually changed the formula because the old formula, if you layered uh, two of these paints on top of each other, the bottom layer, even though it was dry, would become uh, active again. <laughs> so it's kind of a whoopsie. So they have uh, since reformulated the paints and uh, so that no longer happens. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the Bell of Lost Souls article and seeing the 
the unprimed GW 40 millimeter bases with the yellow, the blue, the kind of cyan, teal, the orange, and the red. Yeah. That's going to make painting yellow super easy. Yeah. It's going to make painting orange incredibly easy. I'm thinking of like picking those up maybe for like an edge highlight type thing. Oh, yeah. Having super drastic edge highlights. Yeah. I think that's what I might use them for. A little bit of that, a little bit of uh, flow improver just to get the good, nice flow. I think that'll work really well. Yeah. And from looking at it, it's not just like base coat paints. It's also things like washes and um, like there's also metallics in there. So it's it's a pretty diverse line of like 216 colors is what the website is saying. Wow. And they're still grouped in their triads where they talked about before. So it helps you with your sheeting. Yeah, because like I'm looking at the purples that they have on display in one of their images, and it goes all the way up from like this almost kind of pink color, all the way down to this real rich plum violet color. Very cool. So let's see if we get our hands on those. Uh, not exactly sure when the actual release date is, but there was just something they teased on Friday. Well, let's look at Army Painter's website and see if I can do some snooping off the air. Dun, dun, dun. Another crazy news, I was at a um, customer on Tuesday and Wednesday. It was there for quite some time. I kept looking at their logo. I says, what? something's weird about this. And if I, It's the same font as Army Painter. <laughs> funny, coincidence, funny coincidences are funny. Yes, they are. Tell you that was kind of cool to see, but uh, I'm still having a lot of fun with the contrast paints. So, especially through the airbrush. Yep, I am not that brave. I know my clumsy hands would spill the contrast paint all over my table. <laughs> <laughs> and yep, looking at Army Painter's website, no mention of Fanatic right now interesting okay yeah they'll probably have it up within a week well a little disappointing oh well anything else dad no except for i get to go prime some more terminators and stuff tonight so excitement excitement hopefully we'll see them on saturday in the meantime uh, we'll be continuing to have updates and posts. Check all our social media for any uh, breaking news. Until then, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. Hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Exterminatus Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. 
And if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. <laughs> 